Welcome back to Diamond Talk, and we're here. It's official. We get to talk real, regular season baseball. Get to see what's happening around the league in, in, in our first week here. We're going to be here with Rob and Nick. Rob, how you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. Like you said, I'm definitely glad to have baseball back at its fullest. And it feels real good that after, you know, a small weekend of games, we could say we still have 150 plus games to come here in the rest of the season. Absolutely, and we've—I uh, know me and you are the Yankee fans of uh, of the group, so we've seen some some good things and some some kind of awkward things, but it's been good so far. Nick, welcome, man. How are you doing? Excellent. This is the best time of the year. Had a great opening day last week. Going to the Giants home opener this week. I got a little spout off on that a little bit later on, but man, it couldn't be better. As Rob said. We've got months and months, 150 plus games to look forward to, and I'm already excited and watching too many games already. Man, so so let's just get right in, right to it, right? We don't even have to, we don't have to pussyfoot around this. We can just start right, right off the bat, man. So look, leading off, we're going to talk about some of the bigger topics that happen around the MLB this week, and we're going to start off on a sour note, right? Because it's the beginning of the season, which is awesome, but for some teams, it, it wasn't so awesome. And with that, we're going to talk about two notable injuries, right? The first one is to Shohei Otani, who we feel is always injured. And every time he gets injured, there's that conversation of, does he belong doing, you know, does he belong on the mound and hitting? Should he just stick to one? And then the other injury, which originally was really scary, and this was Fernando Tatis Jr. Originally, when, when you saw what happened, it was one of those things where nobody had any idea what the injury was. There was some speculation of wrists. Uh, ended up being a shoulder injury, uh, some speculation about whether he separated or not, or whether he tore his labrum. I think I think there's still news coming out on that. But look, we're going to start off right there, guys. And I'm going to start off with you, Nick. Look, these are two big names. And as of right now, we don't think they're going to be out for an extended period of time. But looking forward for both these teams, how do you think the Padres and the Angels handle this this huge missing missing part of their teams? So I'll start with Otani. I think the Angels, they're not really going to miss too much because they've already missed him so much the last couple of years. So it's kind of just, you know, rinse, repeat for them. Um, I mean, if they really want a good chance at the playoffs, I think him being a pitcher is more important than him being a hitter. And because it's his, his lower body, it's not going to be as impactful as his pitcher. I mean, it's definitely not a good thing to have, you know, your legs and your base not feeling good. But it's it's a lot easier for a pitcher to deal with that type of injury than a hitter and and running around the bases and just I mean as a hitter there's so much torque that's going on with your lower body compared to pitching um, the pitching's more in the trunk you know your your abdomen your back you know there's there's definitely power coming from your legs so I'm not trying to minimize that but I think if your legs aren't doing well it's worse as a hitter than it is a pitcher and that's the part for the Angels that's really big is they lose him as a pitcher. Um, compared to a hitter, I think it's going to be a really big deal for them. But it seems pretty minimal. He's going to be back soon. I really think that they're not going to have any baby gloves with him. If I'm not mistaken, this is the last year of his contract. So there's no reason for them to try to save anything. The one thing for Otani with me is I see just everybody all over the place just going gaga because three games into the year, he has the hardest hit ball and the fastest thrown pitch by a starting pitcher. And it is impressive. I don't want to minimize that. But this, I hope people really start paying attention to the two-way player that he is because he is great in both aspects. But I hope this gives a lot more credit to past two-way players and really gets people looking at people from the past, in particular Babe Ruth. I hear so much from younger generations that Babe Ruth isn't as good as everybody thinks he didn't play the best competition and all that kind of stuff yes but now go back and look now that we're so impressed with Shohei Otani let's really give Babe Ruth the credit that he deserves as a pitcher as well as a hitter and just look at the stuff that he did um not to take away from Otani but I he's really just it was a Sunday night game perfect showcase game first showcase game of the year for him to do exactly what he did and the excitement that it's bringing to baseball 
that's what I think is bigger than the Angels missing him is if he goes out for an extended period of time or he can't do what he's been doing, it's going to really hurt the game of baseball because that shine that he brought onto himself in the game was absolutely amazing. The focus was on him. The focus was on the game of baseball. It really seemed to kind of overrun all sports for that night. So very exciting about that. For Tatis Jr., man, this is scary. Um, he got his big contract, 14 years, $340 million, whatever it is, before he even played a full season of baseball. He has not even played 162 games, and he has been off injured. Don't get me wrong. It's not going to take much for Tatis to earn that money because of the type of money that's going to be coming in future years. $340 million is not going to be a lot of money in 5, 10 years. So it's not going to really take much for Tatis to earn that money over the lifetime of the contract. Right now, it seems very scary. I don't think he's gone for a long time, especially like, you know, a torn labrum isn't, isn't that bad. You know, partial tear and a dislocation isn't terrible. But his swing is very violent. It's very aggressive. And it takes his entire body. He is not a big dude. He's tall, but he is not built very well. And we've already seen a lot of injuries from him. This scares me. If I, was, if I were the Padres, I really hope I have insurance on that contract. And I hate to say it, but this might be a guy that you try to trade for because they've got stars coming up and they could make a good trade. This might be a guy you look to trade. I know that's you know super hot take, and I know I'm going to get a lot of people yelling at me like, dude, you're crazy. But if this guy's this injured with his frame, unless he puts on some muscle and really works on his body to stand the game of baseball in 162 games a year, I'm really worried about what his future looks like. He got paid. His contract really isn't going to be hard for him to earn back. It's not about even if he only has a couple really good years, he's going to earn that money for the Padres. But long term, you've you've got this guy for 13 years at shortstop. Not like this. You don't have a shortstop for that long if he keeps getting injured like this. I would be very concerned if I was the Padres. He has not even made it through a full year of baseball. And this is what happens. So there's a lot to that injury. There's a lot to talk about going forward. I hope he comes back because, man, this guy is good for the game. He loves the spotlight. He does well in the spotlight. He knows how to – he really knows how to entertain, and that's a big thing. And him and Machado play so well together, and they're both there for a while. I'm going to miss him if this doesn't go right. So I'm really hoping that this is just a real weak, minimal injury and that he comes back stronger than ever. But I would be very, very scared if I was the Padres. Yeah, so, so you mentioned some, some some big things, right? So with Tatis, the biggest thing is he's more famously known for those back injuries in his rookie season. He came up when he was like 19, 20 years old. And anytime you have a 19 or 20-year-old with back problems, that's typically not a great sign, right? Uh, back problems are typically – you think of older players, guys in their, in, in their late 30s necessarily with, with those kind of injuries. And then with the Shohei Otani thing, you know, same kind of situation where he hasn't really been healthy, but – I'll say this about the Otani situation. Look, he got hurt on a play that I'm not going to say wasn't a baseball play because it is a baseball play, but it's not a way that someone usually gets injured that you're worried about, right? It wasn't like he he like tore an ACL running the bases. It's not like he uh, hurt his arm throwing the baseball, right? It, it was one of those things where – and by the way, I, everyone has to learn how to cover bases and even home plate properly – because he did a terrible job of doing that. There's no way he should have gone up in the, into the air and landed anywhere near home plate. But that's a story for a different time. So, look, with Shoei Otani, I'm not that worried about it. I, he, was, he was coming out of the game anyway. Uh, you know, they've been, there's been kind of reports that if, if he wasn't getting taken out of the game, uh, he wasn't getting taken out of the game if, if, he, didn't, if he wasn't done pitching, right? So that, that was more of a pitching move than it was because he was hurt. I, I think he'll, he'll be back. He'll make his next start. Fernando Tatis Jr., though, look, it's you, you got to be on the field. That's the first thing, and, and the second thing is you you have to you have to get to a point with with Tatis Jr. where you feel comfortable saying, "Hey, go all out," because he is that kind of athlete, right? He, you're not going to hold him back. Uh, you you don't want to hold him back, right? He, he's that good of, of, of an athlete. But if he's going to keep getting hurt, you know what? Question, questions come up, man. And Rob, I'm gonna kick it to you, dude. What, what do you think about this uh, opening week's injuries? Yeah, so it's basically like you guys said. I'm looking at Shohei Otani. I don't think that his injury is anything serious. I think 
The thing with him is is more of just questions on how you, you view him as a player moving forward. I asked before the season, you know, kind of where everyone saw him going. And the thing with him is, like I've always said, I think he has the talent to be a successful two-way player. We're not questioning whether he does. I just think that long-term, in order to keep that injury risk down, I think, look, a guy like Shohei Otani is a special talent. He's the type of talent that the Angels benefit from whenever he's out on the field, whether that's pitching or hitting. I think, you know, it's better for you to have him out there doing one thing rather than nothing. And I think it's going to get to the point where the Angels are going to have to make a decision on whether or not he's going to continue long-term as a two-way player or, you know, just do one thing, right? Because um, this was supposed to be his last season. I do think he he signed a, a two-year extension with them, um, you know, before the season. So he he is still going to, ha- going to be with them for a little bit. But even then, after those two years, um, after that, he's going to start his, what, age 28, 29 season. Um, at that point, I think he he probably has to be established as as something more than he is now because again, it's not like he's played that many games for the Angels since he's been there and he's in his fourth season. Um, I personally think that I, look, I agree with what Nick said that I think his his biggest benefit to the Angels could be pitching. Um, I would personally say, but but I the only reason I say that is because of their lack of pitching. That's my opinion. I think because of their lack of pitching. He, he could be the biggest benefit to their pitching, but if I had to if I had to put him somewhere, I'd honestly just put him in the outfield. I think he's that good of a hitter. I think he's he's a he's a 30, 90, 30, 100 guys easily. I think he can he can you know with that arm that he has, he can be a benefit to them out in the outfield as well. I don't know if long term they only see him as a hitter. They might see him as as only a pitcher, you know, because they are lacking in, in pitching a little bit. But yeah, with Shohei Otani, I think it's going to get to the point where where they're really going to have to figure it out because. You know, you definitely want him out there, whether whether he's only doing one thing or both. You definitely want him out there. You don't want him doing uh, nothing. So they're going to have to figure it out with him. And and with Tatis Jr., you know, I think the thing with him is 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 pretty similar. uh, But we've seen more serious injuries with Tatis Jr. I think we have to go back, you know, to his rookie season last year. He wasn't really hurt last year. He only had, you know, that his his numbers kind of went down later on in the season. But he did play the 59 out of 60 games last year. So he was able to hold up, um, you know, for the for for most of last season. Um, but yeah, for for in order for San Diego to actually be competitors moving forward, Fernando Tatis is for sure going to have to be healthy. Um, I mean, he elected to go against surgery with the injury that he currently has. So we're gonna see how that plays out to him, uh, how that plays out for him. He's gonna be due back a little earlier than people expected. I think they said probably within a few weeks. Um, but yeah, you know, he he's a guy who. He's a guy who, in a sense, you don't worry about because of his youth. He's only 22 years old, but you do worry about in the sense of, look, you've been given this this massive contract. You have massive responsibility now, right? San Diego gave you that money because you are the face of their franchise moving forward. And like I said, if they're going to be a real competitor to the Dodgers or anyone else, period, to be real title contenders, it starts with Fernando Tatis being healthy and all the other pieces falling together around him. And if the Padres don't have that, I'm sorry, but they're not going to go as far as as they think they are, you know, as far as um, the moves that they made and they and they committed money to guys without Fernando Tatis Jr. being healthy. I don't think things fall in place how how San Diego management probably expects it to. Um, so, yeah, definitely a more serious injury there. Um, I think both guys will be back. I think both guys will, you know, be back healthy. Um, I hope that both guys are able to stay healthy for the remainder of the year because, you know, um, Definitely, Otani's a little further in age than Tatis Jr., but like we said, you know, we, we were having the argument on the page on, on you know, which one of these players is the most exciting player in baseball. And it's like I said, right, <laughs> at the end of the day, whoever, whatever side you're on, like, you just want both of them to stay on the field. And, you know, if when that's happening, it's better for baseball. When, when it's not happening, quite honestly, it sucks for not only for us fans, but definitely for those two franchises that look at these two guys as, you know, cornerstone pieces moving forward. Yeah, we're, de- we're definitely hoping for for those two guys to stay healthy. You know, we actually had this conversation on on the SAW Facebook site. Uh, uh, who's the more exciting player? You know, I, I personally think Fernando Tatis Jr. is a more exciting player to watch. But, uh, uh, you know, a good comparison. A lot of people did say Shohei Otani was the most uh, exciting player to watch. So, you know, both those guys are in that conversation, which means that both those guys are good for baseball when they're on the field. Hey, man, let's move over to some non-MLB news and – one of the things that's kind of circling around the MLB, and you'll see this every time you, you, you watch a broadcast, is 
every broadcast so far that I've seen has mentioned these two prospects. And they're probably going to go one and two in the MLB draft. And that's Kumar Kumar Rocker and uh, Jack Jack Leiter, uh, Al Leiter's uh, son, who Al Leiter pitched for a long time in the MLB. So, guys, look, I'm, I'm sorry for you, Rob. Man, look, are you excited to see these guys come up to they're, – they're probably not coming up to MLB for the next couple of years. But how excited are you to see these guys in some major league uniforms pretty soon? Oh, I'm very excited. You know, I think that these two guys are game changers um, in, in that sense. I think that these are the guys that you go into a draft looking as potential number one guys for your staff moving forward. Um, you know, it, it, there's been talks on whether they're going to be the first pair of teammates to get drafted one, one, two in the, in the history of MLB. But, you know, we're, we're going to have to see because there, there's definitely some interesting uh, other interesting prospects as well. Uh, but yeah, I mean, look, both of them are just putting up ridiculous numbers for for Vanderbilt this season. Both of them have, I believe, have won all their starts. They both have an ERA under one. Just their strikeouts to walk ratios are off the chart. You're not you're not going to mess up with either with either guy that you select. You're not going to mess up, honestly. Like any franchise that gets either one of these guys should be very happy. Uh, but it's it is how I've said like. It's interesting because I was looking at an article from MLB.com that was that you know that was looking at both of their stats and how some general managers and executives view, view them, you know, with with the draft that's going to be coming up, and it's surprising to see that by a wide margin, a lot of the GMs and the execs uh, prefer Jack Lyther. Um, it might just be because of you know because of the ties to his dad. I mean, the, the kid has filthy stuff hit himself, you know, and and that definitely the ties to his dad definitely kind of adds to that experience factor. But it was like a twenty-five to three vote um, over Kumar Rocker, and I, I, I honestly think Rocker is going to be the better player when when they get to the MLB. I think I think Rocker is honestly going to be the better player and the more exciting player. I think he I think he's going to take both of those um, with him. But I think they're both going to do very well when they get when they get to the major leagues. Um, and yeah, I think you know we're we're in for a very good draft coming up here. We don't know where they're going to go. But yeah, these are definitely two guys to pay attention to because the MLB is about to gain two more difference makers. Absolutely, man, Nick, and I know you're the you're the former pitcher of the group here. I don't know how much you've seen of these two guys, but what are your thoughts on them? So I haven't watched any video, uh, and I obviously don't get any Vanderbilt games uh, on my TV here on the West Coast, and I don't have any more TV besides MLB TV, so I don't really get to watch them a whole lot. But um, I mean, something for me that I sat on with seeing these guys' stats with the little blurb that's popped up. And I believe if I'm not mistaken, they both have an ERA under one this year. They both have a whip under 0.5, I believe this year, or sorry, under 0.8. And they're both undefeated. They're both seven and zero in, in conference playing. But what I went back to is I started thinking like, I know there's been a group of Vanderbilt pitchers that have made MLB. And so I went and looked and sure enough, Tyler Beatty, Walker Bueller, uh, David Price, Sonny Gray, there's they have Mike Miner. They have a long list of very good MLB pitchers coming out of that system. And I happened to be watching the Braves game today and they talked about it. Apparently they have seven coaches that have gone through Vanderbilt pitching staff. So pitching coaches that have made their way onto an MLB coaching staff. And they're, they're just building a dynasty of pitching. So you give these guys the talent and then they have the coaching staff to just absolutely dominate. <clears throat> it's absolutely amazing between the two, just a little bit that I've seen and the numbers. I prefer Jack Leiter simply because of the fact he has the pedigree and there's, there's something that I hear on a couple other podcasts. There's no such thing as a pitching prospect because there's so many things that can go wrong. And for Jack Leiter to have his dad, who was an amazing Major League Baseball pitcher for many, many years, he knows what it's going to take. He's grown up probably preparing to do this his entire life. Kumar Rocker has better stuff, I think. But I think Jack Leiter is going to have a brighter future in MLB, probably get to the MLB faster and also stay there longer and have more sustained success because he, he mentally is going to know what it takes. He's going to have, you know his dad kind of walking him through it, even though his dad says he really is backed off of him and he just kind of goes and watches it as a dad. I'm sure Jack's asking his dad, Hey dad, what about this? What'd you do in this situation? What'd you do when you got here? So just that backup that he has and this, and what he's been around in his life with baseball, I think he's going to have a brighter future. 
but <clears throat> they're both just amazing studs. Uh, I would not want to face them in any stretch of the imagination as a hitter. And I'm sure even major league hitters, besides just the challenge of what they could bring, I'm sure there's major league hitters don't want to face these guys, even though they're already, they're just in college, but to be 21 and 21 years old, they're both 21. That's they're doing things that we've never seen at the college level. And you might as well just hand Vanderbilt the national championship now, because I can't see a team beating these two guys when it gets time to, to for the college world series. Yeah, man, it's going to be exciting stuff. It's going to be exciting stuff. You know, for my, for me personally, I take Jack, Jack Leiter just because the, the, the family pedigree there. Uh, his, his dad, Al, played for the Yankees for a while, and I know he, he was a Mets star. The Mets fans love uh, Al Leiter. So it's going to be fun to see him in. And, and for, as far as Kumar Rocker goes, he absolutely jumped onto the scene last year. And he, if anything, he did so well last year that he gets a little bit devalued this year, man. Both those guys are going to be great to watch. Uh, MLB has some exciting stuff coming up, man. Some some real aces, which is something that the MLB is kind of missing right now. That you know, I can only name about five guys that I'm really excited to, to watch game in and game out because they're going to give me more than six innings. Let, let's move on to one of the happier stories in the MLB, and that is Akil Bad Dude. And I've I've self titled him uh, Akil Bad Dude. Uh, I'm keeping that. I'm trademarking that. Nobody call him that other than me without paying me. But Look, the point is, this guy goes in the Rule 5 draft. Detroit takes him. You know, I, I don't know if you guys know about the Rule 5 draft, but whenever you're in the Rule 5 draft, if a major league team picks you up, you have to stay on the major league roster for that for the entirety of that year. Or if not, I forget, I think it's like picks go back to the other team or something like that. Anyway, point is, Detroit picks him up. First game up in the majors, homers. Next game, Grand Slam. Game after that, walk-off homer. And this is all with his parents in the stands. Like, how crazy is that, man? So, this is going to be really quick, man. How fun is it watching Akil Badu right now? Are you excited to see what he does for the rest of the year? I hope that this isn't a Chris Shelton situation where a Tiger Slugger goes off for the month of for the first month of the year and then we never hear from him again. Yo, uh, Nick, I'll go to you first, man. Have you seen any of his Badu stuff and how are you feeling about it? He is a bad dude, and I love his name, A Kill Bad Dude. Like, there's everything you can love, you you have to love about this guy. The story coming up, and he did this all against the team that had drafted him originally with the Twins, and he's on the best team to do this because what do the Tigers have to lose lose by just playing him all the time? They're getting shine over there. They're getting some notoriety with the guy that should get it. This is a great story. This is what baseball is all about. Great stories from the opening day through the entire year. I'm loving it. All right, man. Yo, Rob, what about you, dude? Yeah, definitely. Definitely a feel-good story over there happening in Detroit. Like Nick said, I think on a team like Detroit, you definitely have opportunities. And a guy like Badu's taking advantage of those opportunities. You know, I think he definitely plays into that role where we don't really know what's going to come of, of prospects, right? He was the number 20, 22nd ranked prospect in the Detroit system. There were six outfield prospects in front of him. And look what he's doing with the opportunity that he was given, right? So now he's a guy that out there in Detroit playing great baseball. And hey, if he has a great year, he might have just changed Detroit's plans moving forward. Hey, look, I got to say this about Detroit. And I know they got the new manager, AJ Hinch is in there and he's and he's working his cheater magic or his magic, I mean. But they look good, man. Look, this team looks good. They look motivated. They're not here. Again, look, we're, we're like a week in, right? We're, we're like seven, we're, we're seven games in for most teams. So let's not, let's not get crazy. But they do look good out there. They're putting up good at bats. Um, you know, they're, they're doing the right things. It's it's kind of interesting to watch. Even Miguel, Miguel Cabrera hit the first home run of the 2021 season. He didn't even know it went out because it was still snowing. He slides into second base like it's a double. It ends up being a round trip or so. It's just what happens in April, man. Just what happens in April. We have no idea what's happening. Everything's crazy. We have dudes sliding on homers. We have guys with crazy names going off. So, so, so take it easy. But that, that kind of rolls us into this next segment, which I'm going to call overreaction action. So look, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to make a statement. So it's so, so Rob and Nick, and they're going to tell me whether it's an overreaction or whether they think this is a real thing that's going to happen this year. I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and start with you, uh, Nick. And this one is about Mr. Tyler Naquin. Uh, Tyler Naquin, better known as the former Cleveland Indian who gave some fits to a couple of teams in the playoffs last year. But look, is this an overreaction? This is going to be Tyler Naquin's breakout season, and he's going to be an all-star. Nick, what do you got for that? 
Breakout season, not an overreaction. All-star season, yes, an overreaction. And it's just because the outfield in the NL is so stacked, it's hard to break in there. But I think this just, this guy just needs to change the scenery out of Cleveland. I think he's going to play all year and be very, very productive for the Reds. All right, man. Rob, same question, buddy. Uh I'm I'm kind of mad, Tyler Naquin. I, I wouldn't say that he necessarily has a breakout year. I, th- I think he's a decent player who can give you know decent time to to Cincinnati. But I think that he's going to end up posting probably better numbers than he than he usually might. But uh, I guess you would consider that a breakout compared to his usual numbers. But I don't know if it's going to be a breakout compared to the rest of the league. Man, look for me. It's a little bit of an overreaction, but I will say this. He's playing at a very hitter-friendly ballpark. Right now, that entire team's on fire. I think they're in third place as far as home runs. They have a great lineup. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, I don't know if it makes the all-star team. It's hard to make an all-star team just because there are so many talented Major League Baseball players, some, some big names out there that are still producing at a high level. So it's definitely an uphill battle. You know, you got the you got the duo out there in, in Los Angeles who you can pretty much pencil in for two spots already. So I'm gonna say it's a little bit of an overreaction, but it's still fun to watch, man. Last year he did some 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 crazy not crazy stuff, but he did some really good stuff for the Indians, and I was kind of surprised that that they did let him go. All right, man. Look, question number two, and I'm gonna start this off with with Rob because I enjoy his anger a little bit more than Nick's anger on this subject, but. Number two, the Astros are the best team in the AL. Overreaction or not? Yeah, it's an overreaction. They're, the Astros are no longer the best team in the AL. On paper, on paper, they're not the best team in the AL. What I will say about the Astros, though, is for some reason, look, we can think whatever we want about their players. I know that that me and you generally don't like them. But at, look, for some reason, when they if they get to the postseason, th- their players just like go off. So it's like that kind of thing where like you just never know. The Astros are that are that kind of team where they might look like the best team at any given moment, but no, I don't think that they're the best team on paper. Follow up to that, man. Look, Dusty Baker came out the other day and he was like, "This team paid the price. We have to stop. We have to get over this." And like, nah, shut the fuck up, Dusty. I don't go fuck. Look, I spent two years waiting for people to boo this team, waiting for them to get thrown at. Yes, I understand they're adults. I don't want anybody to get hurt. But do they deserve to be a little bit uncomfortable in the box? Hell the fuck yeah. So that, that, that's all I got to say on it. Dusty, you, you weren't on that team. You, you've been a great manager for, for, for many years. Um, I'm, very happy to, uh, as you, I'm very happy to know you as a person and, and as a great manager. But you're not part of the situation, so it, please stay, stay out of it. Nick, uh, you, man, is this an overreaction, the Astros being the best team in the AL? Fuck yeah, it is. They're playing a shitty Oakland team. Yeah, this is a terrible overreaction. They're running into teams that are just have they're not doing well right now. So it's a it's a ginormous overreaction. They're not even the best team in the AL West. I like I like that energy. I'm not gonna lie, I, I do like that energy. Uh, look, I'll say this: I don't think the Astros are the best team in the AL. Look, it's it's the first seven games of the season. I have my my worry with the Astros. It's down the line. They don't have the same depth that they had before. Uh, Cal Tucker's absolutely smoking it though, man. I'm so excited to see Cal Tucker keep playing, but everything else about that team, you know, I don't love it's, it's, it's early on, but look, that, le- that leads me to the next question. And before the start of the show, the, the, the Oakland A's were 0 and 6 about to go 0 and 7 before a walk-off not too long ago. So my question is this, are the Oakland A's missing the playoffs? Is this an overreaction? And I'll start off with you, Nick. So when I first saw this question, I thought, hell yeah, this is an overreaction. The Oakland A's will figure it out. And then I went to look at stats. And I get it. It's only six games, and that's fine. But even at six games, there's some stats that you can look at, such as strikeout minus walk ratio. So for their pitchers, how much are they striking guys out versus how much are they walking guys? They're the worst in MLB. I get it. It's only six games. But they are worse than Detroit. They are worse than Arizona. They are worse than the Pittsburgh Pirates, who we think is the worst team in baseball, and they're not even close. Then you go to Sierra, which is, in my opinion, the best prediction of ERA. They are the worst in baseball. The big problem for me with this is in two major indicating stats, not result stats like ERA or WHIP, these two stats kind of are indicative of what they're going to do in the future. 
they are in a pitcher-friendly park. To be the worst pitching staff in these stats in a pitcher-friendly park with a really good defense behind them, Elvis Andrews, really good. Matt Chapman, really good. Gold glove, platinum glove. Matt Olson, gold glove. Ramon Laureano, gold glove. Piscotti when he plays, gold glove caliber. Like, this is sad. This is really sad. So looking at stats, because their offense isn't much better, but that can turn around a lot quicker. Uh, yeah, I think they missed the playoffs. I don't think this is an overreaction. I truly think they missed the playoffs. All right. All right. N- not crazy. Look, by the way, look, this is the one thing I say about Oakland all the time. I don't love the talent they have. You know what I mean? I think they have guys that are kind of one-dimensional and somehow just put up the numbers on on offense, but they don't put them up in, in a way that I'm like excited about, right? It's not like, you know, they have days where they go absolutely off against bad pitching and then there's days where they're just not on. So, you know, for me, it's not surprising when they do have runs like these. Rob, I'll kick it over to you, man. Oakland A's missing the playoffs. Overreact or not? No, I don't. I don't think it's an overreaction. I think I think Oakland has gotten worse as a team, and I think some teams in the AL have gotten better. I think it's going to be a close race for the teams that are fighting for a wild card spot. And I think, yeah, I, th- I think I would probably have Oakland as one of those teams missing out right now. So no, I don't think it's a, it's an overreaction. It's crazy. Look, out of that AL West, you're going to see the Angels, the Astros, and the A's as the teams that you think are going to battle it out all year, and you. You know, just the way that AL works, I see only one of those guys taking a wild card spot with another wild card spot going to one of the AL East teams. But it, look, they're starting off rough. They've started off rough before. You know, I don't know if I'm going to say it right now. I think it is, it is a little bit of an, of an overreaction right now that they're going to miss the playoffs. But look, the pieces aren't there for them where I can say they can relax and get back to it. That This is a team that needs. They need to play their, their kind of baseball. They need, they need to win those games. And they did – look, they have a really rough schedule, though, man. Astros and then Dodgers, that's a tough schedule on anyone. Let's go to the next one. And this one this one might be a little bit more ridiculous, especially because I love them. They just they just got their first win today as well. Actually, I think they just won both games. They had a doubleheader, and this is the the Braves, who were 0-5, I think, or 0-4 at a certain point. They got swept by the Phillies. But here's, here's the take, man. Look, the Braves are missing the playoffs. Overreaction or not, I'll start off with you, Rob. Yeah, I, th- I think this one is an overreaction. I I got the Braves winning the NLE. So, yeah, I, I think it's enough said with that. <laughs> <laughs> I, have, I have to say it, man. So I'm definitely going to go overreaction with that. Yo, Nick, what about you? It's a huge overreaction. This might be more of an overreaction than the Astros being the best team in the AL. The, yeah, they have their second or fourth in Major League Baseball for hard hit percentage as a team. And they are dead last in batting average. That doesn't work. That just doesn't work. You can't hit the ball as hard as they do all the time and it not fall in at some point. They just ran into Zach Wheeler, who decided to be the best pitcher in baseball this week, and a couple other good guys on the on the Phillies pitching staff. And the Phillies had a great offensive week. They just ran into the wrong team at the wrong time. They're gonna they they might even just kind of race away with the AL with the NL East. Um, I think the Mets are gonna compete, but this is a huge overreaction. The Braves are just too good. They're just getting bad luck right now. Yeah, yeah, look, it's crazy. And especially with baseball, the law of averages is a real thing. You know, we, we mention it all the time. Baseball is meant to be a marathon, not a sprint. You have, you have, no matter how good your team is, you know, whether you're the Dodgers, whether whether you're the Yankees, the Padres, the Braves, you're going to have stretches in the season where you're going to have a, a losing streak. It just, it's just the way it works, right? You no, know, every team goes through a losing streak at one point. The Braves are just getting it out of the way early. All right, man, look, last one. And this is one that I'm really excited about. I think Nick is going to be able to be a little excited about this one too, so I'll let him start it off. But the take is Buster Posey is back. And, and by the way, look, he's had a great first week. He's already up to like 20% of the home runs he hit in the last in the last 162-game season. But, yo, Nick, is Buster Posey back or am I overreacting? I'm not excited for this one because I can't stand Buster Posey. And but yes, I mean it depends on what you consider back. He is back in the idea that he is going to be an above average offensive catcher. He is not going to be an above average offensive player. So he's not back in the sense of his MVP and rookie of the year kind of years. But he's going to have a 270, 275 average. He's probably going to have a WRC plus of league average, maybe a little bit higher. And he's going to be good. He's going to be a solid performer out of the catching spot. It's not going to be a guy that you're questioning, should we bench him? All right, man. Love it, love it, love it. Yo, Rob, what about you? Do you think Buster Posey's back? 
this is yeah, this is more of a meh for me as well. I think yeah, he his numbers are probably going to look uh, a little better than they have uh, in recent memory. I think just because I, I look at the San Francisco Giants as as a team looking better as a whole, I think players around Posey are going to look better as well, and as a result, he's going to end up looking a little better. I think you know. Anytime you have a catcher like like him, where where at his peak he was the best catcher in baseball, um, I think yeah he still has some left in him where where his offense could still be there a little bit. But yeah, I don't, I don't think he's gonna have a, a a season that like you know overwhelms you or anything like that. I think it's just gonna be a, a I think he puts together maybe a healthy a good healthy season. That that's about it with him. Look, I'll be honest with you, man. I do think Buster Posey's back. Look, he's a, he's a catcher. You know how 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 hard that is on on catchers' legs. And the first thing that goes for catchers as they get older is that is that pop, right? Especially especially at the plate. He, last year he didn't play at all. He took the entire year off. That's a year to refresh his legs. That's a year to, to work on the cage on some of the stuff that he needed to work on, right? He he needed to work a little bit more on that launch angle and, and just getting the ball in the air. He's always been a line drive type of hitter. And look, Joey Bart's waiting. This is going to be Joey Bart's team eventually. Buster Posey isn't going to be there for the next two or three years. I'm I'm silently, secretly hoping that that he lands in, in pinstripes, right? Like, I, and that is that is a pipe dream, right? Like, I don't think that's going to really happen, but I'd love it if it did. But I look, I really do think he's back. I wouldn't be surprised if he's an All Star this year. You know, he's gonna he's gonna manage that staff, and offensively, if he can put up good offensive numbers or even for for just a catcher, uh, I'll consider that being back for him. But look, something to watch, man. Definitely something to watch. All right, time to get a little week in review here. We're going to talk about what happened this last week, things that we're excited about. But first, we're going to start off with the players of the week. Uh, We each picked two players. Some of them are going to overlap, right? It's whoever we thought was the best player. So if we have the same guy, we're not just gonna kill a dead horse, right? We're gonna we're gonna talk about it and, and get on here. But yo, Nick, I'll start with you, man. Who were your AL players of the week? So my AL players of the week are JD Martinez and your uh, Yerman Mercedes. Uh, they just killed it this week. They absolutely stomped it. Yerman Mercedes, I think, started eight for eight. That's incredible. JD Martinez, I believe, is double digit runs and RBIs and hitting around four hundred. That's pretty good. He's back. I love it. I love it. Yo, Rob, what about you? Yeah. Yeah, for me, I, I think I, I also had uh, your mean Mercedes because, again, he started off eight for eight. So uh, definitely have to have to have him in there. And I went with Jose Barrios uh, because, like I said, I think he's in for a big uh, year. He got pulled uh, pitching six innings, throwing a no hitter with t- with 12K. So that was definitely an impressive start to the season. I love it. Look, so so we, we all we all agree on Jeremy Mercedes. What he did this week was was absolutely crazy, especially because in the position that he came in, right? Like this is the one guy that no one expected to produce for, for for the White Sox just because they have so many bigger names there. But he started off on fire. And he's coming up with big hits too, not just he's not just putting up empty stats. And the other guy for me is gonna be Nate Lowe of the of the Texas Rangers. He was originally of the of the Rays. Now he's in the Rangers. He's currently leading the MLB in RBIs with 14 of those things. That's two RBIs a game if you average them out for the, for the seven games. So, you know, he was a high, he was a high prospect at, for, for the Rays at one point. He ended up falling out there, right? They have other guys to, to play first. Usually first baseman or hit or miss when, when you come up as that kind of prospect. And, you know, he just didn't fit the Rays' plans. But he was always touted for that power. He's been showing it with Texas. So I, I love Nate Lowe. I'm, I'm excited to see what he can do for them. What about for the NL, man? I'll, I'll go to you, Rob. Yeah, so for the for the NL, I decided to go with two hitters. I went with Eric Hosmer, and I also went with Corey Seager. Uh, both of them just are hitting over 600. I think Eric Hosmer is going to prove to be, you know, a, a potential important piece to San Diego, especially with Tatis Jr. Um, out. And, yeah, like we all said about Corey Seager, Corey Seager's in a contract year. I expect big numbers from him and definitely starting off with, with a solid uh, week to open the season here. All right, man. Yo, uh, Nick, what about you? So I'm going to cheat. I got three because all three of these guys have an over 1.5 OPS. Uh, Ryan McMahon, the reason he got in there is because he did it against the Dodgers pitching staff. So I'm really impressed. His average 444, OPS 1.667. Six runs, seven RBIs, four home runs. Uh, my other two are Nick Castellanos. Uh, just because he 
just pimp the shit out of that play at home plate. I love that. That's passion that you can't teach. And then Cattell Marte hitting over 500 OPS 1.5. There were a lot of questions around him coming into this year, and he's showing everybody that he is the real deal. I got all three of them as a player of the week. Yo, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Yo, look, so for me, I'm going to go with the teammate of Mr. Castellanos. I'm going to say Tyler Nick, when we talked about earlier on the show, he's been he's been on fire. He's been an absolute fire. And again, not a guy that when you think about the Cincinnati Reds lineup, you pencil in as a guy that would be carrying that team in, in any stretch of the imagination. But that offense, not just him, that entire offense has been going off. And then my, my, my second guy in the NL, I, I was going to double up on Nick Castellanos and, and the teammate of, of Tyron Aquin. Look, Castellanos looks good. And he looks, you know, we I, I used to call him baby JD. And, and uh, Nick, you made the joke once that he's no longer the baby. He's the real JD. Look, he's make, this guy's making a big name for himself. He's an amazing – he's a really good hitter. He's going to put the average up. He's got the pop. He's playing in Cincinnati, which only is going to help those stats. So, for me, it's going to be those two red guys, Tyler Naquin and uh, Castellanos. But, look, before we move on to, to the next subject, I want to ask you guys about this. What do you guys think about suspension for the play at the plate? Because I personally think it's ridiculous. I – you know, I – why are we suspending guys for this? I, I don't get it personally. But, yo, Rob, I'll start with you first, man. What do you think about that situation and did the MLB do the right thing in the way they handled it? Yeah, man. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's getting to the point where I just don't really know because the MLB is just not helping itself with, with what they're suspending people for. And, you know, I, I think it's all going to stem from the Houston Astros situation. Like we discussed way back when that happened, the MLB had an opportunity to kind of rectify you know, that situation and kind of set new limitations going forward. But yeah, ever since then, it kind of looks like they keep suspending players just for the dumbest reasons. Um, yeah, I, I would have not suspended Castellanos for that. I mean, look, we talk every time we hop on here, we talk about players expressing themselves and showing off personality and things like that. And yeah, I know that might have been like a little bit more excessive, but like, I don't think it's anything that, that he should have gotten suspended for, honestly. Uh, you know, I tend to agree with you, man. What about you, Nick? Fire Rob Manfred. That's all. Get rid of him. This this all gets fixed. Um, uh, the reason I'm so upset about it is because Nick Castellanos, or sorry, uh, yeah, when he did it, he said in a quote, I would have been okay if Yadier Molina punched me in the face and I would have taken it as a compliment. Something along those lines. So he knows what he did. He knows what he did was passionate, but everybody who was on that field knows it was just about the moment and he didn't do it to show anybody up. And that's what it, that's what they should be concerned about. Is if they're if he's doing it to show somebody up, yes, suspend him. Even more than two games, whatever. But look at the way the players react. Look at the post game. Like he wasn't doing it to piss anybody off. It was passion. And to get that an opening weekend, he's excited to be back playing baseball, man. Let him play baseball. Don't quiet this stuff. Fire Rob Manfred. Get him out. Yo, start that hashtag. Hashtag fire Rob Manfred. Look, I I I agree with you, man. Look, we this is it's it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. He didn't do anything wrong. Look, these are again, and I always say this: these are grown, these are grown ass dudes. If you think these guys go home and have some tea and and chill by the fireplace and tell wholesome stories, you are out of your you are out of your goddamn mind. These are these are these are you know these are testosterone filled men going into battle at, at something that they're passionate about. You want these guys to be emotional about this. This is a hundred sixty two game season. If you can have that kind of emotion and show that. Your game is gonna flourish. Your game is gonna is gonna improve because of that, man. So the fact that we're out here trying to stop this stuff, what is wrong with you? What what is wrong with you? What in it's like it's like me like suspending a child for laughing. Like what are we doing? You know what I mean? Like let, let's stop it. Let people enjoy the game. Let these people be passionate. And yeah, yo, look, hashtag fire Rob Manfred. Let's just let's just do it. Yo, Twitter. real quick, what I would love to see is for Adam Silver to come over to MLB front offices for even oh, yeah. like three days. Just, yeah. give him th- just give him three days. That's it. The, the league would be in such a better place if he just came over and said, Manfred, let me show you how to do this. He's, he's my dream GM. He, he is my dream GM. I think he would for take real. baseball to levels that we, we've never seen before on the international level uh, yeah. as well. Make so. him dual commissioner of both sports. No, do, yo, okay. Yeah, I, I was going to say dual commissioner. I thought you meant like him and Rob Manfred share the job. No, Rob Manfred should go – Coach, no, I still fire Rob Manfred. Yeah, no, one hundred percent. Rob Manfred should be a principal at a daycare somewhere. Yo, anyway, guys, sorry about that. Yo, I, I get a little passionate about this kind of stuff. 
Yo, game of the week. What's one game last week that absolutely got your attention? Now, I'll start off with you, Rob. Yeah, I, I don't know if I could just pinpoint one single game, but I, I decided to just go with two series. Uh, and I went with the Toronto and Yankee series, obviously, because, you know, I was definitely watching the Yankee games and, and we definitely talked about it. That series has playoff potential. It had that that kind of vibe even so early on in the season. And then a similar uh, series to that was the Chicago White Sox and Angels series. I was able to catch a little bit of that. And I think, you know, I'm looking at, at those two teams playing and definitely had, you know, the White Sox in there as a preseason favorite. But I think the Angels got a whole new vibe to them as well. And even though they, they still have that lack of pitching, um, I think like we've all said, this definitely should be a, a, a better year for the Angels and their fans. Very nice, man. Very nice. What about you, Nick? This is easy. The only game I wanted to watch was the Jacob deGrom start, and he did not disappoint. Not only did he dominate on the mound, 76 pitches, I believe, through six innings, and they pulled him for whatever stupid reason. He also went two for three with an RBI. Like, the dude is the best pitcher in the game, and I it's almost not close. No disrespect to Garrett Cole, but, I mean, Jacob deGrom is doing things that we just aren't supposed to see. He had... Uh, 12, sorry, 22 pitches that ESPN categorizes as a hundred miles an hour, which is 99.5 plus 22 pitches out of 76. That's a th- almost a third. That's insane. He is so good. I can't wait to watch him in his next start. So I'm always looking forward to him. I'm glad I have him on my fantasy teams. <laughs> Yo, I have, um, I-, I have a couple of games too, man. So that Sunday night baseball game where Shohei Otani was on the mound against the White Sox. That game, that that was a great game. You had, you know, a, one of the most talented people on baseball on the mound and at bat doing his thing, you know, with that, that crazy stat that Nick talked about before. But the, the best part about that game was Jared Wash at the end, man. He hits a walk-off, and Jared Wash is showing that he might be the real deal. You know, we so, someone made a stat comparison between his first few games and Juan Soto's, but Jared Wash, he looks like he's major league ready as a hitter. He's not chasing bad pitches. He's waiting. He's waiting for his own pitch. He's, he's making. He's doing damage. So I, I loved watching that game and, and that crazy ending. And the other and, and the other game I, I, I liked watching. And it was just because this dude dominated. But Zach Wheeler out here pitching a shutout. Then he's also getting RBIs and doubles, just being an absolute menace. And you know I'm not a big Zach Wheeler fan. But that was a great game by him, and it was fun to watch. He helped himself out a lot, and it showed how good he can be when he's on. Well, look, man, it's time to it's time to close this thing up. What series are you excited for to, to watch next week? I'll start off with you, Nick. Uh, just for personal reasons, San Francisco Giants versus Colorado Rockies because we're going to opening day. I didn't think we are going to get a chance to make it this year, but we are going. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. 100% that series. I'll watch the first game in person and watch the rest of it. Very nice, man. What about you, Rob? What series are you looking forward to? Yeah, for the games that we have coming up here, I'm going to take two of those previous teams that that I have mentioned, and uh, we have the Angels playing against the Blue Jays. I think that could be a, a potential, you know, uh, playoff series, wild card matchups, two teams fighting to get in there. And I think just overall, just a great group of players to watch, you know, in in a series, Vlad Guerrero, Bo Bichette, you know, and then you have obviously Mike Trout, Otani, Rendon, and more of those other guys that Toronto has. I mean, it should be a great series overall. Awesome, man. Look, I'm going to go personal on this one. I'm going to go Yankees and Rays. This is a series that's going to be hot all year long. I mean, Yankee fans think we're better than the Rays. Rays fans think they're better than the Yankees. and And both those teams should feel that way. Um, it's going to be a series that can possibly lead to what the ALCS might be. It's a series that is going to have an impact all season long. Either one of these teams can win the division by a very small margin. So these games early on, they're going to matter, right? Uh, even though the teams aren't really where they're going to be at for the rest of the year, games like this could really make a difference in the standings at the end of the year. So I'm really excited about uh, seeing how this one pops off, man. But Guys, look, is there any, you know, first week of baseball in the books. It's been a good week. We've seen some amazing stuff. So before we get off here, man, yo, Rob, is there anything that you want to say about the first week of baseball that we haven't touched on yet? Nah, man, it's it's just good to have baseball back. Like I said, it's it's a great feeling to have these games being done and and knowing that there's still so much baseball left. 
like I said, last season felt super short. It, I lost interest in it really quick, and I'm fully invested into this year already. I love it. Yo, Nick, what about you, dude? Just looking forward to the year, but I cannot leave this podcast without us mentioning how good of a job Major League Baseball did. And this is the only thing I've ever given Rob Manfred credit for, so I probably think he didn't come up with this. But to move the All-Star game out of Georgia, sorry Braves fans, but this is progressive. This is the direction MLB needs to be going. All sports need to be going. Kudos to MLB for making this decision to move the All-Star game out of Georgia after they passed their voting restriction laws. Absolutely amazing job should be talked about way more. Uh, absolutely. I think part of the reason we don't we, we didn't bring it up originally in the top stories was oversight by my part. I'm the person who writes the script, so that's my fault. But, you know, look, you're right. There's a lot of political stuff there. And I know sometimes people say, hey, keep politics out of baseball and out of sports. But to be honest with you, sports is politics, whether you want to believe that or not. Uh, you know, something that I want to end on here is, look, we're seven games into a 162-game season. Nothing that happens this month should be something that changes your mind about what's going to happen move forward, right? I, I always use the the month and a half rule of baseball, where wait at least a month and a half before you see what teams really have. You know, typically at that point, you can kind of see, you know, where guys' talent sitting at, right? You know, whether guys are going to have decent years or, or, or bad years, how the team's shaping up, right? That Usually, it takes a month and a half to figure out the good teams from the bad teams, just as far as what you're seeing on screen, right? It's really easy to get hyped up for the first couple of weeks and overperform or underperform depending on what team you are. So whatever your whatever your take was before this week, don't change it now, right? Like there's it's, it's a long season, right? This is a marathon. But yo, look, with, with that being said, guys, like we'll catch you guys next time. And keep enjoying this baseball season. It's it's, it's been great so far. It's gonna stay this way too. It's gonna it's gonna be a fun summer, guys. We'll catch you guys later. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Diamond Talk. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to hit us up at diamondtalkpodcast at gmail.com. That's diamondtalkpodcast at gmail.com. To catch up on our old episodes, or if you want to check out the rest of the awesome pods that we have under the SSAW network, head to our website at tssaw.com. Do not forget to subscribe. See you all next week, and we'll catch you on the field.